Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Christ Supreme series, where Dr. Jones teaches verse by verse through the book of Colossians to show that Jesus Christ reigns supreme above any alternative the world offers. Now let's join him for today's message. I'm going to invite you uh, to turn with me in Colossians chapter 3 and just hold your place right there. Colossians chapter 3. One of the interesting things about parts of our country in America is that within the Pledge of Allegiance, we have a statement that says, one nation under God. And uh, the purpose was that was that the intention, the, the mindset was that it would be a nation ordered under God-given rights for, the, for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These were what called inalienable rights. These were given by our Creator. And that was the sentiment. That was the heart. And now we do know our country is not a perfect country. Uh, there's no perfect country. That's why we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. But uh, th- that was the sentiment. That was the goal. And that was the pursuit that we would live out those types of ideals. But when you think about that, what does it mean to be uh, a nation under God? What does it mean to be under God? You know, what does it mean? It, it, if we're saying we're under God, what we're actually saying is that we're going to order everything under his will and his way. Meaning we're going to look at his word. What has he said? What has thus said the Lord? And then we are going to have everything function accordingly. The problems come when we get out of alignment from under God and start to institute our own types of ways of doing things. And that's where our problems come because we're not functioning like we've been built and intended to function. You know, when, when I was younger, uh, I used to stay a lot of summers. I would be at my cousin's house. And uh, especially as we got closer to school and my, my dad was working and my, my mom was a teacher. Uh, she was a nurse and then she was teaching full time and preparing students for the medical field. Uh, and she, uh, uh, the end of the summers, I would be with my grandmother a lot. And it was cool because I had a lot of cousins. And then in that neighborhood and on that street, there was a lot of kids. We were right around the same age. So we get together. And one of the things we loved to do was go bike riding. Now, what would stink sometimes is when I forgot my bike. I didn't bring my bike with me. And there was this bike that nobody wanted to ride. And the reason is we used to think that the bike was cursed. And the reason we thought the bike was cursed was because whoever rode on it at some point in the day is going to fall and skin up an elbow, skin up a knee. One dude even fell over and burnt, messed up, kind of got like street burn on his forehead. I mean, it, it, was, it was rough. Nobody wanted to ride this bike because we thought it was the cursed bike. And over some time, we realized what the problem was. The, the, the issue was that the bike's handlebars were put on backwards. Now, when you look at it, everything looked right. But the way the framing was, and it was one of the even if you spun it around, the way the frame was, because of the way the handlebars were and how the wheel was put on with the frame, if you held the bars correctly, the wheel wouldn't turn quite right. If you flipped it around, it still wouldn't handle quite properly. So when kids are going up down hills and valleys, and it was in an area of Dallas called Singing Hills. Now, if you don't know anything about Singing Hills, it's just evident. It's hills. So you got kids riding around on hills, and we popping wheelies and doing bunny hops and having a good time. 
<laughs> it was every single time whoever was on that bike was going to bite the dust. Why? Because it wasn't built properly. Things weren't properly placed in order, and therefore it didn't function to its optimal ability. And because it didn't function like it should, it brought pain and heartache and suffering. It brought consequences that everybody wanted to avoid, and yet we would still get on thinking, well, not me today. One of the issues when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our families, is when we start thinking about being under God. Today, we're going to look at some verses and we're going to look at a, a household under God. What does it mean for me to order my household under God? And here in Colossians chapter 3, pick it up in verse 18, we see some words that do just that. The scripture says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. And there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Today's message titled is A Household Under God. What does it mean for us to order our lives and our families and our business under the Lord, under Christ? Remember, the context of this passage is about having put on the new self. We have put on Christ. We have put on the new humanity in Christ. Christ is our Lord. And now we have been called to live out certain virtues. He's given us certain commands of how our heart, our love, our forgiveness, our, our thankfulness to the Lord, our doing everything that we do and say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we pick up on these verses, which quite frankly, many times in our culture today, uh, we, we, we skip over, you know, we don't we don't want to deal with. But this is the inspired word of God. And he picks up on the marriage. Holy matrimony. You know, one, one of the things I love to do, one of my favorite parts of ministry is couples ministry. I love I love when when I have a, a bride and groom come to me and say, hey, pastor, can you do our premarital counseling? Can you marry us? And I get so excited because of just the future and all that that, that it holds and and what it means in the picture of Christ and his bride and what the Lord is communicating to the world and the joy that God intends for them to experience within the marriage covenant that he's given as an institution, the first institution given to mankind in Genesis. It's interesting, even when you think about it, that traditionally all over the world, all cultures all over the place, how fathers give their brides, give, give the bride to 
the groom. And it stems from, you look in Genesis 2, it says that the Lord himself presented Eve to Adam. I'm baffled often in our culture today that on TVs, movies, songs, how the depiction of marriage has been so distorted that I look at it and I said, none of these reflect what my wife and I experience. Order in our lives under Christ, the joy and the peace that we have and the love that we share. I, I see all distortions and lies about it. We even have jokes about, you know, the old ball and chain. Oh, you don't lost your freedom. All this stuff. And I'm like, no, that is not at all of what the Lord intends, of how the Lord has actually built his institution and how he wants us to function in it. He starts here in these first couple verses and he's letting know from how wives are to relate to the husbands and how husbands ought to relate to their wives. And we see this all through scripture. He starts off and he says some things and it's interesting, very interesting that he starts with wives because typically in culture it started with the foremost was the husband. But he starts with wives because he's kind of flipping some things from an understanding of what Christ from ordering your marriage under Christ, that the value and the ontological equality and the <laughs> the specialness. I'm going to use that word, the specialness that comes along with being a wife. Now, now I'm going to take a little so side note. It, everybody's not commanded to be married. Right now, we are dealing with marriage, though. So, you, you know, going 1 Corinthians 7, it even says, undistracted devotion to the Lord in singleness. But if you can't do that and you, you, you can't walk in purity, then seek out marriage under Christ. And he starts here and he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I don't know how many of you have taken up ballroom dancing, but uh, not long ago for one of my wife's birthdays, she wanted to go do some dance classes. And we've done some dance classes before. And I remember years ago, my parents started to do some dance classes. But what's interesting is that in the dance class, there are certain steps for the guys and certain steps for the ladies. And almost every dance is to really highlight the ladies. So the guy has to be on point so that he can guide. And what it is that the dude, the guy, leads the dance and is highlighting the lady. And if he throws it off, it's all messed up. What we find is a trip is when couples get into the class, it starts to show a lot about even their relationship because whether the guy knows what he's doing or being uncertain and he throwing stuff off or if the lady doesn't want to follow and she knows what the step is and she's going before him and it just looks a hot mess. But when they're functioning as intended, it's something beautiful. It's something amazing. Matter of fact, even if you don't even like dancing, if you watch one of those shows like Dancing with the Stars and you see professionals, you're like, man, that's, that's pretty amazing. The marriage covenant and the relationship in there is somewhat that if there's going to be harmony. There's not sameness. There's not uniformity, but there is harmony. And he starts off here and he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, I know a lot of people, they don't like that verse. Rip it up, tear it out. Matter of fact, they want to quickly deny it. Oh, that was for back then. But then they don't like to actually say the same thing. They don't apply the same hermeneutic for the next verse of husband, love your wife. I haven't seen anybody except somebody say, well, you know, I know they tell me to love my wife, but that was for back then. That, that ain't for today. I ain't got to love my wife like that. 
We have to seek what the Lord is saying in this and what he is not saying. One of the things that's been a little bit of a distortion is because this same teaching is in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verses 22 through 24, and also by the apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6, specifically in verse 1. Now, one of the things that's been a little bit of a distortion is in Ephesians 21, there's a connection, uh, really 21 goes back to verse 18, ultimately verse 15 in the body of Christ. The relationship of believer to believer, when it speaks of us submitting to one another, verse 22 goes to specific wives with husbands, and then it goes in specifics how husbands are to relate to their wives. And we see that same teaching here in Colossians and in 1 Peter, almost verbatim by two distinct apostles. I bring that up because we have to understand that this is an instruction. This is an imperative. This is a command given Two wives. Now, I'm going to get to the husband, but wives, I want you to listen because this is for you, because ultimately this is between you and the Lord, because he says this is fitting in the Lord. So you who have placed faith in Jesus Christ, how are you to be a Christ-like wife to your husband? We hope this message is blessing you today. Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and subscribe to receive our Refuel devotional and view other discipleship materials. Our goal is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. Now, submission is not subjugation. Matter of fact, the word used here is not the same word used for the servants with masters, nor is it the same word used for children with parents. It's a word that speaks to a voluntary yielding. It's not a forced thing. It's a voluntary yielding, meaning uh, if you've been driving and you're on a, on a service road and it's the, 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 someone coming off the freeway, there's a yield sign. Now, you can speed up. If you live in South Florida, typically people kind of speed up and it can cause some havoc. But it's this yield sign and you have to make the decision. Am I going to force my way in front or am I yield for the protection and the harmony of how traffic is supposed to flow? It's voluntary. It's not forced. But it's something that you're saying, I'm going to follow. I'm going to yield when it comes to headship. Now, I'm going to deal with that a little more when we talk about husbands. But right now, when he's talking about wives, this is something that's important. I'm going to tell you how big this is. In Ephesians, and the whole sermon is not on this, so it's, I, it, I would go more in depth if it was all about marriage. But this is a part of it. But I want you to get this. In Ephesians, he goes a little more in depth about it. Here's just one verse. There, there, you know, there's a few verses in Ephesians. But one thing he brings out is that our response as Christians to Christ is a model of the response and relationship of wives to the husbands. It is voluntary. It is a harmonious relationship in response to Christ. It's not being ruled. It's not being manipulated. It is from the heart. It is out of an attitude of trust when it comes to Christ number one, and then also your husband. Now, if you don't trust your husband to that point, then there's a huge problem. Now, I'm going to deal with husbands in a minute. 
about how they ought to be uh, examples where their wives can trust them. But I want you to get this, wives. I, want you to, I don't want you to push this aside based off of worldly teaching. Because remember, we just look, uh, all this teaching is flowing from we're not being taken captive to principles that are according to the world, to human traditions and human philosophies, but we're ordering our lives under Christ. And he said, this is fitting in the Lord. This is proper in the Lord. So this is something that I want our wives to embrace. And there's another reason that's from a human side that's, that is big, that it, it blows me away. And I love to talk about this in, in premarital relationships, I mean, premarital uh, counseling. And in 1 Peter 3, he goes on and he says, even if a husband is being disobedient, the wife's godly behavior and Christ-like responses to him can lead the husband back into right relationship with Christ. Meaning, wives, if you got a husband that's tripping, show him Christ. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter 3, he even says, it's not even nagging. It's not even you talking. It's not even just yelling and shouting. It is through your Christ-likeness. You respond you walk out what this means to be in the Lord, I'm telling you, Christ will revolutionize your marriage. I ain't saying it's an overnight process, but I'm saying, hey, I don't know how long, but what I think I will say is this is fitting in the Lord. Now, and I don't want you to think this is just in regard to even sex. Sometimes this has been used for just sexual intimacy. That's a worldly mentality because God's intention for sex with, with husband and wife in the marriage union. He says this in 1 Corinthians 7. I want you to get this and starting in verse 2. He says, but sexual immorality is so common, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman should have sexual relations with her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but the husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I'm going to summarize that. In the world, we think sexual intimacy and sexual gratification is about get, 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 get satisfying myself, when in actuality, God's intention was for husband and wife to give, 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 give to please one another. So submission is not forceful and like do this, do this. It is a given from both. Too many people have rejected God's word on this matter because of misunderstanding, misteaching, and then quite frankly, the lies of the enemy. He says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands, for this is fitting in the Lord. Then he comes and he says, husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. He goes a little more in depth in, uh, in Ephesians when he says, we love our wives as Christ loves the church. Meaning as wives are called to respond to their husbands as the church to Christ, husbands are called to treat their wives as Christ treats the church, he says, love your wives. That love, that's not the sexual gratification love. That is the agape love. That's that selfless giving for the need of another. Meaning that husbands in everything we do and say is selflessly giving of ourselves for the benefit of our wives. Meaning we don't force submission on our wives. She gives that freely. And matter of fact, 
Wives don't respond to their husbands as quid pro quo, and husbands don't respond to their wives as quid pro quo, meaning husbands are not to say, well, I love you like I'm supposed to once you start submitting. And wives ain't supposed to be like, well, I'm going to submit to you once you start loving me like Christ. You be Jesus to me, then I love you. Right there, we're going into a prideful, worldly mindset. Regardless of the other party, we walk out Christ. Husbands, love your wife. And if you don't understand what that means, study Jesus and what Jesus has done and is doing with his bride, the church. That's your model. And out of that, that's how you love your wife. And remember, it's a verb. It's not how you feel all the time. You ain't got to feel all lovey-dovey and mushy-mushy. You know what you ought to do all the time? Love your wife. As you look after yourself, you look after her even more. And he says, don't be bitter. I like how Peter really works this out a little more in 1 Peter 3. He says, basically, husbands, we ought to act in consideration. See, remember, this, this is teamwork. This is harmony. If we're working against each other, we're enemies. Husbands loving our wives like Christ does the church. Wives submitting to husbands' leadership under the Lord. It's something that's beautiful, harmonious. We got love. We got joy. We got peace all in a relationship. When one of us gets off script, that's when it's destruction in the household. That's when it's destruction in the family. If you want peace in your household, if you want peace and joy in your marriage, start getting back to the word of God. And husbands, we don't try to use our power. We don't try to use the authority God has given us in our household to manipulate or force our wives to do anything because that is the mindset of Satan himself. We show Christ. We model Christ. We love like Christ. So wives, if your husband tripping, go talk to, go talk to his boss. That's the Lord. Deal with the Lord. Don't, you, you ain't got to deal with him. Deal, let the Lord deal with him. Husbands, if your wife tripping, you need to talk to the Lord. You don't be trying to control the situation. You go to the Lord and let the Lord give wisdom to you and let the Lord touch her. We got to quit trying to control. We got to quit trying to get the upper hand because God has given order. And, 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 and that's not problematic. It's not problematic. Matter of fact, remember, he's already, you look in Genesis, the first thing that was not good was man to be alone. And then he created a corresponding other, a helpmate for Adam. And he got excited. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He was excited. Why? Because he got somebody with him. This is important. We love. We walk out Christ-likeness. And that leads to, you know, married people being married people. Usually, we know there's exceptions, but kids. He goes from the family to now the parenting relationship, the family understanding. You think about when, when, when couples had that first baby. If, you, if anybody got multiple kids, you know how it was. Think back to that first baby. You know, when you get kid number two, you get kid number three, that pacifier fall on the ground, you just dust it off. But that first baby, that pacifier fall out, you boil water. You don't want nobody to touch that baby. You seeking after that baby. Why? Because you are caring for that baby. And that baby's getting all it needs from mom and dad. And the point is to train that child up. To instruct him. Why? So that child can take care of himself or herself to be a viable uh, citizen, <laughs> a contributing citizen to society, not a menace. You want that child also to thrive. So we do all that we can. We pour into, and he goes into what this relationship is supposed to look like. 
He starts with the child and he says, look, children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Now, my children that's watching, my youth, you are under the authority of your parents in that household. Now, I know what your TV shows try to show you. It's cool to slam doors and talk back. That is not cool, according to the Lord. That's wrong. The fifth commandment was to honor your father and your mother. Matter of fact, it comes with a promise, and it's repeated in the New Testament, that long life and it be well with you. Now, you don't do it just for the long life and a good life. You do it because God said so. But I want you to get this. He says, this pleases the Lord. And I want you to think about how you should understand this as a child or a youth and even parents. We have to stay constantly connected by faith in Jesus Christ. If we're going to have the marriages we want, if we're going to have the families we want, if we're going to have the companies we want, it all comes under the banner of Christ. And we're talking about a household under God, ordering our lives so that we may function as God intended, all for his glory. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Christ Supreme series where we learn Jesus Christ has no rival and that he reigns supreme. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Christ Supreme series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.